Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Four, three, two, one. I told you before to be careful where you put your legs. I was only trying to be helpful. I can help myself. What are you waiting for? Come on. Come on. What are you waiting for? Come on! Come on! For seven decades, Michael Caine has been among the world's most renowned and recognisable actors. It was just what I needed, a one-inch god with a two-inch penis. The star of classics like Zulu, The Man Who Would Be King and The Cider House Rules. It's a miracle no one was killed. But also films that brought his career to the brink of complete implosion. I made a mistake. Somehow, he has always found a way back. You're a big man, but you're in bad shape. With me, it's a full-time job. In this epic podcast series, we will watch and review every Michael Caine movie, from the greatest hits... You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off! ...to the incredible misses. You failed to maintain your weapon, son. And take a deep dive into the life and work of one of the world's most recognisable film stars. His name is Michael Caine, and no one will forget his name. Behave yourself. To understand... How he has made the mark of Cain. Well, you all settled in? Right, we can begin. For God's sake, come in! Hello and welcome to The Mark of Cain, our ongoing fun run through the films of Michael Cain, watching every last bloody one of them. My name is Michael Foley, and I'm joined as always by Stephen Black of the Mallow News. How are you doing? I'm fine, and if this is a fun run, I'm the moron at the back wearing the old, old-timey old diver suit, taking 14 months to finish it. Yeah, and I'm the one wearing the uh, denim shorts who really didn't think it through. The chafing. The, like, I mean, it was the first bit. I felt good, good in the first, the first couple, like, a little bit, felt good, but, like, just it's going on and on now, and it's, everything's starting to chafe. No, we, we, everything needs talc powder. We need a brisk application of talc to, to, to our brains. Oh, God. To our mental nethers. It's been tough. It's been tough, but look, we just got to keep going. We're in this. We are actually, we're in the middle of Kane's 70s output now. I would think we did, he did 23 films in that period of time. And this, this one today, I think is number 11 or 12. So we're, we're like, we're halfway there. We're halfway there. And look at the wonders that are ahead of us. The swarm. Yes. I, I gaze behind, I gaze behind me at the ocean, uh, ocean of vomit and uh, look in anticipation <laughs> towards the, uh, the ocean of diarrhea. Yeah. The swarm, a shanty beyond the Poseidon adventure, not the Poseidon adventure itself, but the bit beyond but beyond it. that, beyond more Poseidon, it, right? even more adventurery. There is a film called Silver Bears that's coming up with Jay Leno in it. I mean, uh, my God. Oh, Jay Leno. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Yeah, that's the guy. It's uncanny. That's incredible. It that is. was an incredible. I like cats. Cats. I like cats. God, Do you like cats? Yeah, it's a bit it's, it's a bit like Jay Leno chipmunk style there. A bit too much for me. Anyway, last time out, to be fair, let's let's chime a positive note here. The last time out, we were very pleasantly surprised by, you know, light-hearted apartheid romp that will be conspiracy. <laughs> but we did like yeah. it. We, it was the kind of movie we hoped to find. You know, a bit of a gem out of nowhere. Uh, yes, uh, uh, to put it in uh, parenting terms, a rare dry night in a in a in a month full of uh, soiled bed linen. Let's put it that way. Oh, we've been doing a lot of washing, a lot of washing, yeah. and we've not got a lot of sleep. Yeah, it's been a veritable buffet of all sorts through the seventies. But in this episode, anyway, we have Kane as a writer. 
inflicting his paranoia about his marriage again. and his wife. Yeah, go on. What were you going to say? No, I just a writer again. Another again. writer. Yeah, 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 yeah. As you said a long time ago, this is a recurring thing. He seems to like playing writers. He's playing opposite Glenda Jackson, who appears to completely freak out Kane on set because she's pretty comfortable with the body and she's no problem with the naked. And there is a fair degree of flesh on show here. Glad to say that Kane stays buttoned up in his pyjamas at all times. In this romantic drama type thing from 1975, this is The Romantic Englishwoman. I came for the waters. Elizabeth? Where were you? Lewis, what is it? Nothing. You sounded odd. You still sound odd. Where were you? I was in the bath. I've been calling for half an hour. I fell asleep in the bath. Elizabeth? I'm coming home, Lewis. Tomorrow. Um, it's a kind of a stew of whatever, really, isn't it? It's like rich people talking the audience into a coma, basically. Yeah, we're back to similar uh, to a vein we came uh, mind uh, a few episodes ago in Z versus or Z versus Company. I would watch Z versus Company, <laughs> Z and Company, yeah. uh, where you have these lives of quiet desperation that are very dull middle class people who basically don't have enough to do that they're devoting all their time to extramarital affairs and wondering what it's all about. Yeah. In this case, it's all about Glenn Jackson trying to get her end away with a poet come drug dealer. Yeah, uh, which you know that old. That old, uh, that old trope. That old trope, yeah. <laughs> what do lads be thinking about when they'd be sitting down coming up with a movie? You'd often wonder. Yeah, I, I don't know. I generally... Yeah. Well, I've been thinking more as well. I've been looking at this because often you ask me questions and I don't know what to say to them, but I've been reading up an, an awful lot in improv and the, okay. the art of improv. And I, I've learned it's, it's very important to employ yes and. Oh, okay. Okay. So ask me a question. Ask me that question again. All right. You'd kind of wonder, you'd kind of wonder what, um, you know, what lads would be thinking about when they sit down to actually come up with an idea for a movie, wouldn't you? Yes. And? Oh, <laughs> oh his balls come spinning back over the net. I don't know what to do with it. It's like a wasp. I know it's hit me in the face. It's hit me in the face. The question has hit me in the face. I can't do it. See, so you haven't done the hard yards like no. I have reading up on this. Like, nah. No, listen, I'm just, I'm just here for the conversation. I'm not, you know, I, that's all I bring to it. I'm Naomi Osaka and you've never even seen a tennis court play. No, I haven't. I haven't. I only ever played one game of tennis and I lost the, the three balls we had. I lost them all within three, three serves and they were all gone. And I went back to you're my... The wrong, you're the wrong religion. I am. Uh, and I'm, you know, I just went back to my movie watching, which brings us nicely to here. If I was any good of a tennis player, I probably wouldn't be here. But there we go. There we go. These are the roads we take in life. Yeah, this is um, the romantic English woman. You know, Kane, Kane said something. I think I might have echoed it in the last episode that he reckoned that this was the most, the cat, the part that he was most miscast for in all the years. That's bollocks because he's played this character or variations of this character, I would say about five times now, maybe more. A kind of an annoying, 
really unlikable middle class sort of guy who's kind of paranoid and not really just inflicting his own paranoias and his own sort of shit basically on other people. This is a common. I think what he's more, I think I think basically all he's saying is there is it, it, it's it, it's uh, me being cast as uh, somebody uh, as a cuckold is completely unbelievable. No one would believe that a partner of mine would ever want to stray, and that's essentially what he's talking about. Maybe yeah. uh, he's trying to say basically that Michael Caine is so heterosexual, his yeah. lines so pulsating with vim, vigor, and other things that no woman would, so mesmerized by his thin figure <laughs> and other things that no woman would ever be tempted to stray. And of course the audience are, are buy into this and would, in no way would believe it's unbelievable. Um, that he, anyone would want to cheat on him. Uh, and of course it's, it's, as you say, it balls, he's played variations on this and very, and throughout the rest of his career as well. And will do exactly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there is a bit of an element, all right, of like, is this is what Alfie grew up to become like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, seriously, like there's a lot of a lot of coitus interruptus in this film for Kane's character, really, isn't there? There's like moments where the passion is just halted at the worst. There is, and I suppose we we get into that. But yeah, we need your we need your painted patented Kane or explainer. I've de- my Kane or explainer. I have decided, right? I'm t- this is my kind of like thing that I'm going to do from now on. I'm going to shorten these plots right down, right? So here we go. All right, fasten your seatbelts, Maisie. We're off. Okay, so we've got Elizabeth Fielding, played by Glenda Jackson. Big film begins with her heading to Baden-Baden, Baden-Baden, on her holidays, where she's half-stalked, kind of leered at by this drug-trafficking gigolo called Thomas, who's played by Helmut Berger, and she likes it. Uh, back home, uh, McCain's character, Lewis, uh, Elizabeth's husband, is convinced she's having an affair on her travels. He's a wealthy writer, and while struggling to write a script, he starts inflicting these fantasies about an affair on his wife, and he invites this idiot drug trafficker who's already lost a big load of heroin and is being pursued by invisible gangsters. He invites him to the house, so he ends up actually employing your man as his secretary, even though no one in the house really seems to like him. The old pair, they have an old pair, of course, to do. She seems to like him. But anyway, eventually Elizabeth is so bored and provoked by his presence and her husband, McCain, going on about him, that she actually does end up kind of attempting a bit of a fling with him, heads off to the continent with Thomas in her mini, leaving Kane and pretty badly psychologically abused son behind. I think we might get into that. Uh, Kane eventually goes after her. The gangsters track Thomas down by following Kane. He gets taken away by the gangsters and Kane and Glenda Jackson reunite and head home to the grim site of a par- like a house party with all the people there that they know that represent like the boredom that she's been trying to get away from. And that's pretty much the long and the short of the romantic English woman. Yeah, so I think the main issue with this is that you're the romantic English woman. This is Elizabeth Glenda Jackson's character here. Is you're you're introduced to her very much like in media res. She's already made the decision to piss off the bed and bed and yeah. uh, for for clearly to have an affair. There's, she's not going there for the waters. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm assuming it was the Ibiza of its day, um, but she's heading off there to to kind of to to stray away from poor McCain and you're not given any context as to why she did this no you know they, they, they start they start off with she's already done this thing uh, you show McCain's character Lewis ringing her constantly asking what she's doing paranoid that she might be having an affair but he's shown to be justified in every single uh, kind of paranoid <laughs> thought yeah. that he has about her he's, he's yeah, 100% yeah. on the money like mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and then throughout the movie they're in no way like you it's called the romantic English woman, but she's not romantic. She's a pain in the hole. Like she's, she goes on again. We go back to this quite life of desperation, right? She's, uh, 
I think her friend says that, you know, her friend, played by Kate Nedigan, accuses Kane of, you know, like, you know, wanting to, to, to wanting a wife to stay at home and wash the, wash, wash the, his underpants. Yeah. But she, she doesn't even do that. They have a housekeeper. They have a housekeeper. They, have a housekeeper they, do, they do nothing, these people. They do absolutely the only thing, nothing. The only, the only thing they, uh, she does is go to parties and the occasional bit of gardening. Actually, and that's the, one, it. the one thing that she did, she did two things, right? She played football, sorry. Which, oh, well, we get, we get occasionally, on to the fo- the occasionally fo- remember she had a child and then, uh, did, Made an attempt to in, interact with it, but she also did. She not fill the dishwasher and put on the washing machine, which, by the way, in nineteen seventy five, would have been there were there they weren't even labour saving devices. They were like something from outer space to most people, dishwashers and washing machines. So even even the little bit of housework she did was kind of the high, the kind of housework that no one else on you know no one else in the cinema would have been doing. Like, yeah, I just think that they the, the, the a very poor picture of kind of of painting her character as as you you. you you're in no way sympathetic to her plight. I mean, like no. she returns home after 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 the the, the after the lift loving. Uh, all really previous her scenes for her idol is occasional gardening, gardening and abortive attempts to have intercourse with or her, with her husband. Yeah. I mean, it, like it's bad enough they portray him as weak. They actually have him literally being emasculated via a series of unfortunate cock blocking interludes, which I believe is one of the Lemony Snicket books. Uh, <laughs> the cock so, blocking is unbelievable. Would you, yeah, would you? Would you? Would you go? Would you take the actually? When we're here now, we may as well, right? Yeah. Because we mentioned it twice yeah. now. Just, just take the people through. There are, I think, would we say two major cock blocking episodes for Kane? character that are yeah, just it's, it's unbelievable yeah the first the first one i suppose the prelude to it is she's she's uh, come uh, she's come back and uh, she runs through the garden and the first uh, incident of sporting kane in this movie is kane running after her in a that old english game find the vagina uh, eventually <laughs> finds her she disrobes quicker than you can say let me stick it and really just like really I mean, fast like you just get and uh there are as they say, in coitus, and then the neighbor shows up, shines his light at the pair of, and insists on coming over and engaging Lewis uh, in small talk. I'm like, if that happened in real life, possibly the strength of your erection would have knocked him out uh, <laughs> before you actually got over the hedge to him and yeah. fucking pummeled him to death. Come on, would you like if if we're that friendly? I can actually tell you to piss off. Can you not see what's going on? I'm, you yeah. know, do you not know what this it is? It may look odd to you. Yeah. Do you not know what this is? Do you? <laughs> Like I'm having sex with the wife on the front lawn. Why are you coming over asking me about my flowers and what's a, growing and what's not growing? It's lawn sex Thursdays. <laughs> it's like, well, there's a full conversation about it. And I mean, he's like, he's like hello, Mrs. Feeling. And she's like, hello. And she, she, she just walks into, Starkers like walks off into the house. It's yeah, really weird. Really weird. Uh, really mid seventies really and weird. really weird. Really, yeah, kind of middle class. Oh, aren't we all uh, very uh, cosmopolitan? The second one then is, I suppose, is more relatable one where again McCain is trying to get uh, trying to get down and dirty with uh, Glenda Jackson, and again is interrupted by uh, their child crying and looking for attention. Now he sh- he really should have uh, tried to channel the energy of Henry from uh, Hurry Sundown here, but uh, <laughs> sadly sadly doesn't. Glenda looks off, goes off to to take care of the child, despite the fact that they have a fucking nanny, and an most of the film she doesn't give a shit about the child. She loves her child so much that she literally, you know drops everything and pisses off the France with the shit port um, without giving a second thought. Oh, it's, it's like, it's, like it's the most incredibly bad episode of Mothering you've seen in a long, long time. Actually, the nudity is is quite, he, he seems like on set, Kane was thrown by, by the nudity. Glenda Jackson was quite happy to stroll around in the nude on set, which is, 
whatever. But it bothered it, it bothered our married man anyway. And also, he tells a story in one of his books about about a young actress. He just says it's a young actress. Now I can presume it's either the old pair or there's like this there's a French woman as well that they go they go to dinner with. Anyway, one of them landed into his dressing room completely naked, looking for a cigarette. Kane sent him on her way with a, a fag and a towel, <laughs> something to wear. But uh, yeah, very very decent. I would have thought. Uh, yeah, what else about well, his performance? Yeah. Oh, sorry, go on. You you have you have more on the cock blocking. I'm more than the more on the cock blocking, but just they go. They I don't think they paint Kane's character as much uh, as enough of a monster to justify what she actually Jackson actually does to him in terms of literally having sex with the shit poet in a glass house in you know in, in front of the house in basically in plain sight there's no part of his behavior that justifies hers yeah and that he's and his character is still willing to take her back goes all the way over to basically uh not taking the horse to france goes over to france to bring her back yes um and again like he he's, he's so limp that even when he's presented with the opportunity to turn the shit poet over to drug dealers uh, he, he, uh, he demurs like it's like no no I don't want to be involved in the man's more. It's like fuck that I'd be like going yeah this is exactly where he is Says break everything before you kill him I'm telling you we're learning a lot about you it's 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 yeah. it's like if you walk away there's no coming back and if I get a chance to nail the guy you're walking away at that but, this, but this, isn't by... exact, this isn't this isn't reflective of my morals or anything like that it's reflective of, of what you're being presented with the screen in terms of you you have to like you don't have to paint, paint him as an out, out monster, but at least portray their domestic life as being something that's extremely smothering. And she's, you know, she can't leave him because she'd be left with nothing. Well, I mean, there's divorce. There's divorce. Yeah, let's flip the cards on that though, right? So she goes on her holidays to Baden-Baden, may well be looking for an affair. Maybe, maybe she's just going to take, maybe she just wants to go in, get some space because apparently living with, with two other people in one house plus an au pair is completely smothering. Anyway, whatever. But she's gone anyway, right? She's getting constant phone calls from your man. And when she comes back then, she's getting just battered psychologically. Did you have an affair? Who was the wit? Who was the guy? And he eventually goes goes to the trouble of actually inviting the lad he thinks she had she might have had an affair with to the house. Like I mean But he doesn't. He he doesn't he doesn't invite her to the house. He pretends that he has. It then transpires that your man escape follows her to England and then rings her and then she invites him to the house for dinner. And then right. as a result of that, it's a game of one upmanship. Ah. He puts pressure on on on, on uh, Elizabeth by saying, "Oh yeah, your man's been in, your man's been in touch. She's coming from dinner to wind her up." Yeah. Uh, she he, he, she then gets a phone call from the shit poet. The shit poet is invited over, and then as a result of her one up, uh, one up, well, I can't even speak. Her up one man up ship, one up up manship. Yes. Uh, he invites him to stay. So you know, but then she wants rid. She does it. She does it. I mean. It's 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 weirdly we really really weirdly portrayed in terms of the dynamic between her and uh, Thomas. Yeah. Like she's having these lustful uh, recollections of what happened in the lift. Like the way that this was portrayed as well. Jesus, the, 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 the sex was that her fantasy? Border. Was that her fantasy though, or do you think that actually happened? There's sex, by the way, for everybody listening. Going, what the hell are these people talking about? And very early in the, so she's gone to bad and bad, and she gets into a lift with Thomas Helmut Burger, the guy that she ends up having the affair with, and they appear to have 
sex in the lift but it's not I wasn't sure but I think it's like it's it's not exactly fucking a Christopher Nolan uh, kind of it did it or did it not happen it's not a spinning top mm. kind of thing it's they fucking they did like what how else does he know well, where she's living it's not a case of nothing's happened between us but if you're ever in London this is who I am and this is where I live well it's well you know? there is well yeah, fair enough but there is there is a lot of sort of jumping between fantasy and reality like, I mean I was actually again surprised no more than there will be conspiracy with stuff written about it in terms of apartheid and all this I was actually quite surprised there is a few articles articles written about the romantic English woman and this whole idea about illusion, fantasy, reality, uh, relationships and all this kind of... I was like, no, sorry, no, lads. I'm not... No, I'm not in the market for this to be brutally honest with you. This just... It just feels like one of these... uh, It's like one of these mid-70s, midlife crisis fucking upper-middle-class people on screen talking at each other, bit of shouting, kind of just wearing you down to the point that you kind of yeah, whatever. Yeah, I get. I kind of get it, but I don't really care if I'm not getting the full whack here. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. No, no, the, and there's no attempt to make you care about either. No, uh, anyone well, they're all dislikable. They're all dislikable in the film. Well, I mean, that's fine. They can all be dislikable, but I mean, you, you at least empathise with, with their position, and I can't really empathise with Glenda Jackson's position because exactly, you know, she's not living in Saudi Arabia. Like she can piss off at any time she wants in terms of, uh, of divorce. I get a handsome settlement for her. It's not like she's been forced into it. You know, and McCain's character, I have no sympathy for him because he he, he does attempt to smother her, but at the same time, you know, there's no attempt for him to understand her or do anything about that. It's just, no. I'll take her back and that's grand. things will carry on as usual. Yeah, once again, it's another Kane movie, really, where most of the characters are like reptiles, you know. They're they're just they're just not very nice. Um, in terms of actually going very briefly back to the lift sex, it doesn't look great as a kind of a way to do no, things. No, I mean, between that, like, the, this kind of steps back to the, like if the characters are so unlikable and that you're unrelatable and your protagonist isn't really given enough backstory in terms of this is why she's doing this, this is why she's behaving the way she's behaving, then the kind of the chemistry between her and Thomas or Helmut yes. Berger would yeah. want to be off the charts in order to yeah. distract you. It's basically like, well, this is, could it have happened in real life? Oh my goodness. You know, yeah. kind of passion yeah. on the screen. And I swear to God, it's about as erotic as a, a priest's bare arse like. I sort of got, if Boston Scientific uh, made two robots to, uh, and got them to have sex, if they did it in such a way as Glenda Jackson and uh, Berger do on screen here, they would have them stripped for parts. It is, I think there's one stage basically, he looks like a fucking truffle pig. He's like fucking, he's there sniffing at her armpit. He's yeah. molding, he's like fucking a baker working away at, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a bit of sourdough. You know, needing, yeah. needing away at the armpits and the flesh around. Oh, never knew nah. the arm. I never knew the armpits were. You know, like that, uh, what's, what's that? What's that awful fucking? You know that, that 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 old parable of the blind monks and the elephant, and one blind monk feels the leg, and it's like, oh, this is a this is a tree trunk, and the mm. other uh, the other feels the the trunk, and he's going, the elephant, trunk, oh, it's a snake because they're not seeing the whole picture, kind of thing. And mm-hmm. he's that's his that's his approach. Mind you, that's a terrible like. It's a terrible fucking parable in the first place because you'd imagine blind people fairly sensitive touch. Hang on, <laughs> this this warm this warm this warm this warm leg. You know, I I obviously me being a monk, I sleep under trees. I'm kind of aware that trees aren't warm, so this is probably a leg. Also, yes, yeah, kind of feels like an elephant trunk here. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm just going to stop here. Not for the first time on this series, you've kind of done a blaze and saddles on it, where you've just basically stampeded your way into another film set, into another podcast entirely. And another thing. <laughs> yeah, and another thing. That'll, that'll be an offshoot to this. It'll be your 45-minute fucking giving away, your 45-minute ranking of the best and worst parables. 
Yeah. That'll go well. Even the, like your man Helmut Burger is fucking terrible. Absolutely terrible. You're Just okay. Celluloid yes. fucking rot. It's like watching wood rot in the fucking screen when he's on it. Like he's no charisma. No, there's nothing about him that make, that make use of your thing. Oh, I can understand why she's attracted to him. He's charismatic. He's something of the night about him. You know, he's a bit of a rocket or whatever. He's just a bland mid-level accounting looking lad claiming to be a poet but who's actually a drug dealer no stage at no stage however is he asked to recite a poem really or does he you think he's got a couple of backup ones or would it be seen to read poetry no attempt made thank god and like would they piss off the france as well like the, the whole it's so mechanical and passionless it's like <laughs> the one thing that you could have gotten right in terms of trying to sell the audience on this and i wouldn't mind but like joe joseph losey like uh directed the 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 servant and directed at the go-between yeah, but like, these are two strong character studies with a kind mm-hmm. of a kind of psychosexual element in, in or there as well. It's really capable of doing it. It's just and don't get me wrong, this film is really well, beautifully directed and beautifully shot. It looks very but well. Yeah, it look, yeah. Uh, but it's just you know not not everything can be a hit. They just completely miss the mark. This falls down, falls down on the old storyline. Like I mean, yeah, I mean Helmut Berger. I mean he 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 had made a, a career at this point in his at this point in time playing these sort of like. Um, kind of sexually ambiguous, slightly androgynous almost characters. He's kind of very hard to, you know, like kind of what's what's he like? It's like pinning jelly to a wall, you know, he's not, you, you can't really. And cast him. that because he can't, he, he can't act. So he's well, a cipher because he can't act. He's just a blank, he's just a blank canvas. Uh, but to me, he was, yeah. he was pure camp Austrian Euro cane. Like you're not supposed to blow the bloody doors off, darling. You know, he's reading, like he's, he's reading Mary Poppins. He does Mary Poppins. Like he's reading rhymes to the child. That poor child is just so scarred by the end of this film. Himself and Kane, Helmut Berger's character, Thomas and Kane, they have a cigar. He has dinner and they have a cigar. You see the length of the cigars? They're about the length of a Cadillac. They'd be up, the boys would be yeah. up for days smoking these things. Like, it's just, yeah, he just doesn't, doesn't work on any level. Like, not even funny. And the subplot about him being a drug dealer is it's a bizarre thing to oh, He's the worst, to he's the worst drug trafficker in the history of drug traffickers. So, uh, can, can we, can we uh, clarify? You said heroin. I thought it was cocaine. Die. Is it heroin? Look, tomato, tomato. Let's let's call tomato. it cocaine. Cocaine. So, yeah, bringing, so he's gotten this, uh, he's, he's introduced bringing this bag full of cocaine that he, he picks up in a tra- uh, the train to Baden-Baden? Uh, to Baden-Baden. To Baden-Baden. And gets to the hotel and until the deal is done, he decides to, as being such a great drugs career to store to store this highly dissolvable substance Unbelievable. in the gutters in the gutters of the of the, the roof of the, the hotel. And of oh, course it rains, yeah. strangely enough, in Germany, Germany, a famously, a famously arid country. Yes, indeed. Rains buckets dissolves all these drugs. Unbelievable. And, and another thing another thing so he's chased all the way to England by Hugo Drax from Moonwrecker who kind of looks yes. like a fucking Robert looks like Robert Downey Jr. made out of Play-Doh <laughs> and he's chased for basically a quantity of drugs that I would argue would not keep keep Richard's going for more than one day of a stag <laughs> well maybe not maybe, maybe not Keith. It's it's a fair old wacky stuff now in fairness I'm no expert on these matters that's a fucking one recording session of fucking rumours would have the people Mac would have raised through that <laughs> It's an inefficient way of dealing. I mean, like, and he, Hugo Drax is, uh, is like the head honcho of the organization. He goes, like, he really believes in the personal touch. It's not like sending out minions to bring your man back. He's out there on the ground. He's, I mean, he's there. He's, he's, he's like yeah, a, he's getting his hands dirty. Her- dressed like the heroin man from Del Monte. Oh, it's dreadful. The gear is just awful. But yeah, yeah. he's the worst. I mean, yeah. So that's, so he, like, and he even, even when he hides the drugs, they were in a nice sort of a leather bag. And so, yeah. so they were in a brown paper bag that was inside a leather bag. Yeah. He decides I'll I'll get shot in the leather bag and I'm going to throw it away. Uh, about as pro- probably landed about 
five foot from where the drugs were hidden in their paper, brown paper bag, perfectly dissolvable, ready to go. Like, it's just, he's the worst drug trafficker ever. He deserves to get caught. And the fact that the circles are so small, the social circles are so small, people know who he is. In yes. England. Yes. That's such a load of balls. So, like. By the way, actually speaking on that, I mean, they, they go to this, their, their social circle, they go out for dinner a couple of times. Both times they go to this supper club. There are two things that ha- that occur in the supper club that I, I have to say made me laugh out loud. Number one was the our usual thing about, okay, so there's music playing and every single person on the dance floor is dancing to a completely different song entirely. They're all dancing to different rhythms. It They're clearly, it's like one yeah, of those yeah. silent discos, you know, they've all got their earphones on and they're dancing away to their own tunes. <laughs> Weird, yeah, yeah. look, very funny. But also, let us, a round of applause for Drunk Kane. Yeah, so Kane gets two big moments in this movie. He gets he gets that scene with Kate Nedigan, uh, who he will not, he will be acting uh, with again in what seems like an eternity in the Cider House Rules. Oh, wow. But he has this huge rant against uh, uh, rant at her character about how boring she is, and how, which is fantastic. And it's nice brilliant. To see some yeah. some life in him. Uh, and then there's the other scene, as as you said there, where he gets uh, slowly more and more ossified at the the at the party. It's brilliant. He goes from like okay, so it's. Look at we've all been there, kid. We know, like, so you're 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 at the dinner. The dinner is just painful. He's drinking the wine. He's probably probably mixing, I'd say, grape and grain a little bit, possibly too. Who knows? But anyway, he goes from slurring, then down to shit talk, then to propositioning a girl. He has really no hope where he's dancing away with her and he's kind of whispering sweet nothings. Basically, do you want to go to the kitchen? And it's like no, down to then not being able to pronounce the basic words. And I mean, to be fair, I'd like to think Tom Stoppard, by the way, wrote this uh, wrote this script, a uh, great playwright. I'd like to think that Tom Stoppard re- decided, I'm going to decide, I'm, I'm going to put Glenda Jackson's character in Baden-Baden. So Mick Cain's character, when he's drunk, has to try and say Baden-Baden. It's like, Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-Baden-
Anyway, you mentioned sports came before. So he did a bit of running. Not great. I think to be fair though, the other the other the other bit of um sports cane we get is some good football skills. Good solid football skills. He's playing football with the kid. Positive sign of things to come, escape the victory, which good God, it's only six years away. Six years away. But it's the best it's his best display yet, I would suggest anyway. I would I'd bow, I'd bow to your knowledge of the sporting world. I, I thought I thought he he was uh, an inferior player when put up against the the uh, Glenda Jackson's right peg. Well, I'll put it this way: he he had more precision and more control. And, and that's not, sorry, I, should, I should clarify that's nothing to do with the nudity. <laughs> he had more he had more kind of calm and composure on the ball than Jackson. Like for like, a, put yourself in this position. I'm sure there's, there's there are some parents listening. You're out kicking you're out kicking ball with your son or your daughter. And they kick the ball to you. Now you have a choice. You can you you don't really have a choice. You pass it back. You pass it side foot pass back. He does it well. He controls the ball well when he comes to him, passes it back. Glenny Jackson's approach, a bit more kind of Ireland late 80s, early 90s under Jack Charton. She hoofs it long. She's she's playing it down the channels. But basically, so basically what happens is she's having a stand-up row with Kane. The ball comes towards her and she just horses it miles away. And the child, I don't know, is it Kane or Glenda Jackson just instructs the child to go and get it. And then she does it again. She kicks it in the complete opposite direction and Kane definitely tells the kid to go, David, David, go get the ball, David. Go, go get the ball. She's making no team as far as I'm concerned. Kendo, he shows the good composure of a link midfielder. I, I like to, I like the look of him. Sorry, I left my body there for the last minute. <laughs> is, that, is that over now? Is it? Yeah, it is. Where do you want to go next? You 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 can take us somewhere. Next. Well, now in I'm, fairness, I'm, I had to, to listen to your shit about parables. So look, you know, we're even now. Where where where, where do you want to go next? Very quickly, uh, the very lax HR uh, um, adherence to HR policy in this household. Oh, yeah. uh, Glenda Jackson's uh, summary dismissal of the nanny is is not. not I, I don't think it passed muster in any organisation. Explain what Basically, happens. Uh, the child David, no doubt driven demented by the lack of attention and um, frankly psychotic household that he's growing up in, makes one last ditch attempt for attention by climbing out into the roof of the house. Mm-hmm. Glenda Jackson spots this, brings it back in, goes to, and finds the nanny is uh, learning English or, or learning, uh, learning French with French, the shit poet. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Glenda Jackson goes fucking mental, slaps her one and then sacks her. Yeah. Harsh. Harsh. Very harsh. Very, no, very no, harsh. No, no, nothing. Nothing. And nothing. She's, literally, she's literally left open the front doorstep to, to kind of go, fuck off. Look, I, I, uh, that the actress playing the nanny one, one, one wonders was it a case of maybe that she actually had lines or after she spoke them maybe the director decided yes you're 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 more of a uh, background player yeah because she just stands and says nothing for an awful lot i mean stands it's literally like you had lines here but it's we don't have the budget to dub them or there's something else going on here you, you're you can't just you stand yeah and look yeah. longingly at whoever else is in frame with you yeah, exactly. I think I think that that was essentially it. It's it's um yeah. And since, well, I mean, of course, she gets the child in off the roof, gives him a good shake, tells him As he's terrible, then goes and slaps the au pair. That's how you tell. That's how you tell the child it's okay. You give him a good shake, and if you hear the rattle on the inside, that means they're still operating. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think that was that was more that would have been better replied to the lover, to be honest. Uh, the cane glasses were away from the black rims. It's like a spidery kind of narrow kind of. Yeah, he's Picardigan in this. He's he again to do everything. Yeah. 
He is Bicardigan that he's he's dubbed it up here. He's basically <laughs> made some yeah. of this as uh, unattractive as possible. I know, it's yeah. a kind of it's kind of the, like a it's a, it's like she's all that you know like it's a, a nice attractive man like him. He's all dowdied up so yeah. that you know no one could possibly find him attractive. And you know what? That's kind of pretty much the story with with Kane. like he's not given much to work with in terms of his script. No. He's not really given much leeway to move out of this kind of cuckolded character that he's playing. It's nope. when he gets the opportunity, like drunk Kane, like shouting Kane, mm. he does it brilliantly. You can yeah. see he's good. It's Glenda Jackson's show, really. She is. I mean, yes. look, it's not a great film, but she's no. she's decent in it. Like she's she is good. In it. I mean, you can see she's good, but it's not. It's just not. She's good, but she's be given nothing to nothing to go on. And yeah. yeah, it's 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 she does the best she can. Now I want to play a game. Okay, you ready? I'm going to be asking this. All right, all right Jigsaw. Okay, let's go. All right, this is basically I'm calling this Kane versus the heavyweights. Right, so he's Glenda Jackson at this point. I think she won two Oscars at this stage. So she she's a she's an out and out acting heavyweight at this uh, clearly an out and out acting heavyweight in this movie. But he's he's now played at this point a number of very very well known actors, uh, iconic figures. So I want to I'm going to put Kane up against him in each of their movie. I want to tell you who's coming out. Tell me who's coming out on top. All right, you ready? Okay. Okay. Like, so is, this a, on top, on top, is this a sexual thing or is it terms they've done the best? Yeah, him and John Mills. Yeah, yeah. Him, him and John Mills. Who's who's leading there? Okay, let's go. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Okay, here we go. Okay. So I want you to do okay, first up, Kane versus McLean. Shirley McLean. So I want Gambit and Women Time Seven. Who comes out on top there? McLean. On both cases? Yes. Okay. Like Gambit, Gambit, it's her film. She's the yeah. lead. He's the he's he's the supporting actor. Um, and in Women Time Seven, he has no lines and yeah. thinks he is a silent movie sc- uh, screen star and he cannot do <laughs> the slap not. of the stick. He's not much no, like this. Mo- much much like this this uh, movie. He has no luck with the slapping of the stick. No, <laughs> very good. Right, Hori Sundar, Kane, Kane versus Jane Fonda. Oh, this is what's that? Is it Rocky? Is it, is it the end? Is it Rocky Two at the end where they they're both on the canvas and they're they're kind of crawling towards the rope to try to stand up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, that, it's that kind of situation. You got to pick a winner. Uh, how can you? How can you pick? Uh, I would say Jane Fonda because uh, at least she gets to leave before the end of the movie. She does. She does. She does. Okay, this is a tag team effort for him now in the wrong box. So it's Kane versus Mills and Richardson. Ralph Richardson, awesome. by the way, for anybody. Ralph Richardson is god god off. They're all he's terrible like, in this. Got, he's put he's 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 put his ACL on uh, on the way walking into the ring, so he's done. Um and they're uh, all yeah, terrible. Yeah, no, it's this they're all terrible. Kane by Kane by uh maybe two points. Kane just about. And I mean that's he's by they're terrible. Okay, then we skip along. We skip along to Billion Dollar Brain. Karen Malden, you know, on the waterfront, you know. Kane versus Malden. Uh Kane. Yeah, I would agree there. Now yeah. Kane versus Tony Quinn. And I want you to take the Megas with Quinn and also Quinn in the Marseille contract. Tony Quinn, I love everybody. I love life. You hate, you, 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 you I love life and I fuck like a bull. Yeah, I hate uh, the guy. Yeah, oh, I'm not, I'm a bit of a tourist, so I'll give it to Kane just on uh, on moral grounds. On both, on both counts? Yeah. Ah, yeah, I think so. Kane versus Noel Coward in the Italian job. Whew. Ooh, I'm surprised you're giving this some thought. But Coward is excellent. Kane, of course, Coward one of his is, great roles. Coward is excellent. I suppose mm-hmm. the, the issue with the match is that Kane will probably be distracted by Noel's giant erection. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he would batter him with bon mots and one-liners. 
Don't uh, stop talking to me about that. Yes, uh, I would say Kane. Kane, all right, okay. Yes. Uh, jumping along to the, la- oh, the last valley, remember that? Kane versus Omar Sharif. I hate uh-huh. Omar Sharif. I hate Omar Sharif. Omar Sharif's the same in everything he's in. And uh-huh. this is an awful simpering role that he played. Oh, <laughs> it's terrible. Wandering, it's wandering terrible. scene to scene like a fucking opium addict. No. Okay, we've got a couple of more. We've got a few more to go now. Okay. Kane versus Liz Taylor in Z and Co. Oh my God. I'm shuddering even mentioning the name. Kane. Kane. Kane's doing very well. I, well, I hate Liz, Liz Taylor in it. I like Liz Taylor as an excellent actress, but that was just an awful road, oh, um, an awful movie, uh, awful performance. Speaking and again, of all... again, if if you could have a, some sort of mutually assured destruction bout, uh, <laughs> it's about more WWE when they're both, you know, they're both, you know, one of them is about to, you know, uh, be declared the winner, and then the manager of the opposing wrestler just comes up behind him and batters him over the head with a chair. That's the kind of scenario yeah. I'd like for Z and Co. Uh, pulp. Kane versus Mickey Rooney. I'm still a star. Look at me. Uh, God, but Mickey Rooney is awful in it. And Mickey yes. Rooney is... Kane's yeah, awful in it too. Kava's in it too. Again, nobody deserves to win here. I mean, the only people, <laughs> the only winners here, surely, are the audience who get to see a man in his 30s beat uh, Leather, a man <laughs> in his late 60s. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the, he's, got, he's got the reach. He's got the height advantage. He's got the reach in him as well. He's, so Kane's, are, Rooney's not getting anywhere near him, not even for a clinch. He's going well, he's going to he's going to use him as a basketball. Oh. Yeah. And and, and now, by the way, I th- I, th- I think you're going you're, you're straying slightly too far into the who would win a fight between one of these two. I am thinking I'm thinking of performances, right? So, Kane versus Olivia in Sleuth. Oh, Olivia. Olivia, okay. Yeah, uh, and we're yeah. down to the last couple now. Uh Kane versus Poitier, Poitier, Poitier in uh Willby. In the Will Be Conspiracy uh, Poitier, last Poitier, 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 is Poitier is like, is, far more charismatic in that movie yeah. Poitier is tremendous and in this film the last one we may as well put it in there Kane versus Jackson 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 yeah. so let me see one two three four five one two three four five six seven eight nine five he wins out in the Battle of the Heavyweights well done Mick Kane alright did, did, did you leave out the Battle of Britain Oh, there were so many he could have been fighting. He was going to lose that all. He's only in it for ten minutes, and and in and in those ten minutes, the dog acts him off the screen. So I wasn't going to. I just wasn't going to. Embarrass him. I, would, I, I would, have, would have seen him fight the dog. <laughs> the dog wins that every day. Anything else in this uh, romantic English woman business that we want to mention? Reading, Kane. oh yeah, reading Kane. I noticed that he was reading a Goon's Show script. These are books that he was reading because, of course, I don't know. Like I'm the age he's in in this movie. I'm around that age now. I do you read when you go to bed? No, I don't. I'm gone. Kids gone. I'm I'm out. Right. This guy is reading every fucking night. So he's got the Goon Show script. He's got like a collection of them, sorry, a collection of Goon Show scripts. He's reading a Kissinger biog and quite topically for McCain in another year or two, a short book on income tax rules. Yeah. So he's... he's, yeah, I, don't, he's I don't read. I just, I just sit quietly and contemplate all the people who've done me wrong during the day and eventually <laughs> tire myself out and fall asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And think about the next Kane movie you have to watch. That's got to send you to sleep very soundly. Oh, the romantic English woman tomorrow. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, anything else to say? I don't think there is. Is there anything? anything no, on your I mind? think we've we've dissected this corpse to the no extent more. whereby we can't really tell that it was originally a body. No, no. Okay, we are on to marks for Kane. Marks for Kane. No, not for the movie, but for his performance in the romantic English woman. 
I think we're getting down to the old 70s slump of five or six here. Yeah, it's kind of five seems to be kind of like, you know, average to below average Kane in the 70s, isn't it? We're yeah, giving him another yeah, five. Yeah. We're giving him another five, I think. I, yeah. think yeah. I, I think five. And so I think we leave Kane in that moment, uh, eternally growing. Much like, what, about, what about, what about, much like Michael Kane uh, looking at Glenda Jackson's naked, we turn our eyes very quickly away towards that. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Well, uh, yeah, and I think much like uh, Michael Caine turning his eyes very, very quickly away in mortification from Glenda Jackson's naked form, uh, we'll move on to uh, bigger, better, greater classic things. We're on our roll of movies, beginning with the word the, but this one is the ultimate the in the career of Kane, or at least joint ultimate the alongside the Italian job, maybe in the Cider House Rules. Anyway, next time out, it's the man who would be king. Woohoo! Yes! Yay! Yay! I've not seen it. Oh, okay, it's wonderful. It's Kane and Connery, Peter Conahan, Daniel Dravid, Chris Plummer is back. Such a wonderful adventure movie. Now, you're. I'm ordering you now. I'm telling you now. You're not to ruin it. Don't ruin it. Not on me. Not how, this how do one. Not ruin, how can I ruin it? Oh, you'll ruin it, all right. You'll find a way. And I'll tell you now what people will hear. Maybe nearly fucking eight minutes into it, they'll just hear earphones being dropped onto a microphone. Well, can I ask you this without saying, does, it, does a man become king? Yes. Well, then I'm already, I'm 10% on board. Oh, well. No more the, I don't like these misleading, <laughs> these misleading titles. We've, we've talked about this before. Oh, no, this is, this is right on the nose. This is right on the nose. The Man Who Will Be King. What a wonderful film. Looking forward to talking about that. Looking forward to talking about Kane and Connery. But this is going to be another one of these yeah. fucking things prefaced by a 20 minutes, a teary-eyed reminisce of you sitting in your dressing gown eating fistfuls of fucking roses yeah, on is. Christmas Day, is it? it is. Do you know what I'm even going to do? Do you know what I'm even going to do? You're not going to wear your dressing gown. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm going to actually find the recording of Kane reading If. Now, there you go. What about that? If is the Roger Kipling book upon which it's based or what? Oh, or is, they just... Oh, Lord. God almighty. I'm not... I'm just not going to bother. It's going to be on the next episode. I, I'll... You, you find it in the meantime. Right, it'll Boy. be a little bit. Do you know what this is now? A little bit like, it'll be no, like no, you no, I'm not doing extra home. I'm not doing extra home. I, I, I know. I'm not doing. Ex, I, I'm not looking for extra credit. Just want to fucking stay. <laughs> stick to the curriculum. I work my way through college and just get the fucking diploma at the end of it. Oh, just want my cane diploma looking for American <laughs> distinction. Just going to say it's here on my CV rather than having you know like a five year gap. It's like, so can you explain what you're doing during this period of time? Yeah, I can say I was at Kane University. I graduated, oh. got my diploma. Um, had a brief psychotic breakdown and then returned to, <laughs> to the world. It's going, it's going to be one of those great conversation stuff. So, so what? Do you, so, like, have you done that? Interesting? Yeah, I, I just finished up actually watching all the movies that Michael Caine was ever in. All right, yeah, yeah. And the person just walks away from the. Where were the flags that he? Where were the red flags that he was having a, a mental breakdown? <laughs> Nobody knew. I think no. He was he was going to work every day. He was engaging yeah. his family, children, and he spent. Uh, over 52 weeks um, watching and talking about the entire uh, filmography of Michael Caine. Oh my God. All right. All we right. can't stop. We can't look. Let's, let's, we shouldn't be talking. Let's not talk ourselves out of this. We're gone too far anyway. We're gone too far. And anyway, the man who will be king is next. This is marvelous. This is marvelous. Okay. There, there we are. Five out of 10 for Caine and the naked English woman. The naked English woman. The romantic English woman. She was naked in the talk quite a bit. Glenn Jackson, very you good. Mick Cain, you saw everything. I, you really did. Right. 
that's that Stephen thank you very much thank you Mick uh, as usual like and subscribe on the old platforms there and if you have any questions about the man who will be king or about uh, Mick's Christmas reminiscence maybe you'd like to find out about his favourite Christmas desserts or side dishes or something like that I don't know trifle just hit us up on Twitter dessert and side dish it's disgusting go on tell him what's that Twitter handle at Mark of Cain 2 did we ever find out who about Mark of Cain 1 was we never we didn't really go down that road did we no I think it was two lads who decided to do a podcast about all the Cain moves and then they mysteriously disappeared (laughs) (laughs) alright we'll see you next time bye bye that's it for this week's episode thanks for listening Make sure to like and subscribe. Um, maybe leave a comment. Only nice ones, though. Mean comments will make Alfie cry, and no one wants to see that. The Marco Kane podcast is written, researched, and presented by Stephen Black and Michael Foley, and edited by Andrew Foley. Music is composed by Stephen Black. If you'd like to get in touch, you'll find us on Twitter at, at Mallow News and at Marco Kane 2 And if you enjoyed this episode, you'll find all the rest wherever you get your podcasts. The Marco Kane is a Mallow News Two Cubes production. See you next time. Come on. Come on.